So with that, let's dive right in. Jesus people. I'm just going to call us that. Jesus people. We've been talking about that all year, about what that means to be Jesus people. There have been so many elements in that. I'm not going to go through all of it, but we have talked about giftings and all those things. Jesus gifts, Ephesians 4. Uh, we, we landed there for quite a while. And what we've been in the last few weeks is called Jesus Church. What does it really mean? What is the church? What, what does it mean to be the church? Not to go to church, but be the church. Because here's what we've learned over the last few weeks. The foundation of the church is the revelation. It's not a guy. It's not, uh, it's not this. It's not this. It is the revelation of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, according to Matthew 16. And we also know that in, that, in the midst of that, Jesus said, on this rock, on this revelation, I will build my church. He's building his church. We're not building his church. If we're building quote unquote, a church. We're not building, uh, we're not a part of the building of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is building his church. He's using living stones, us, to do it, but he is building his church. And if he is building his church, that means the church is powerful. Listen, we are the church and we are the church being filled with the Holy Spirit to do what? To personally grow and mature, to become more like Jesus, to use our gifts, to help the whole body grow in Jesus. It's not just about us, but then to do the ministry of Jesus on the earth, to be equipped to do, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to do the ministry of Jesus on the earth. And then last week we, we leaned into the early church. Really, the early church is our model. Listen, it's not, quote unquote, a template or anything like that, but it is our model. Like, this is how the church started. That's where we need to start. So many times we think, well, we've evolved and we've evolved beyond this. And what ends up happening is we evolve, quote unquote, beyond Jesus's church. And then we cease to be the church. And now we become an organization or a business, or just an arm of culture, and now we just become a civic organization, and now we're not a part of the body of Christ, we're just a part of an organization, and there's no eternal value in that. We are the body. Jesus didn't die for an organization. He died for each and every one of us for redemption, atonement for our sins, that we could come into relationship with Jesus, that we can have a relationship with the Father through Jesus, and that now we can make his name known on the earth. And the early church was locked into that purpose. And so last week we leaned into the early church. We talked about, hey man, when they started, there were really four specific priorities. So Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this, now the Holy Spirit's been poured out. You guys know this. Thousands have been ushered in the kingdom of God. They're being baptized. It's just a crazy, crazy sight in Jerusalem. All these Jews are getting this revelation of Jesus. The gospel's being preached. They're repenting. All this stuff being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, and they continued. Okay, so after that, what did they do? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the teaching we talked about last week. The apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Those four specific priorities of the early church. What did they continue in? Well, they continued in the teaching, the teachings of Jesus, the apostles' doctrine. They continued in fellowship. They continued in the breaking of bread and they continued in prayers. These are all things that Jesus modeled. These are all things that Jesus did. These are all things that Jesus taught them to not just be a part of, but to do every single day. Day And again, last week we talked about the Apostles' Doctrine, the teaching we called it. The early church fed on the Word daily. 
And listen, here's what the word of God did in their life. It transformed how they thought, what they loved, and how they lived. And so today we're talking about this second priority of the early church, the fellowship. Now that word can mean so many different things to you. When we think of fellowship, we can think of organizations. Fellowship of Christian athletes, the fellowship of this, da-da-da-da. We think of fellowship, maybe we think of, hey, just gathering with people together. But the Greek word here uh, for fellowship is kononia. Okay, the New Testament kononia, that word carries two primary ideas. Number one, to have a share in. So Romans 15, 27 uses this word and it means to have a share in. Right. Secondly, though, Romans 12, 13, that word kononia or fellowship means to give a share to. So we have a share in and we give a share to. So what does that mean? Kononia is used about 20 times in the New Testament. And here's what we find out about kononia. It's both benefit and responsibility. So many times when we think about being a part of something today, we only think about what we can get from it rather than what we add to it. And now we become an audience. We're not a participator. We're not participating in it. Listen, if you're part of the body of Christ, the true body of Christ, you're not a spectator. You are a participator. You're not on the bench. You're on the first team. Wasn't there a first, second, third team? No, there's a first team. When you take up your cross and you follow Jesus, you're on the first team. There is no second team. There is no third team. There is no fourth team. There are no, hey, you're only going to do this and you're only going to do that. There is a first team. You are called into the ministry of Jesus when you say yes to Jesus. The way that that fleshes out, the way that that moves, the way that that functions can look different, but you are called into the ministry. Listen, we said this before. How does God reach into the education system? How does he reach into the medical uh, uh, industry? Well, he uses ministers called ministers, right? Ministers filled with the Holy Spirit that are called doctors and nurses. He uses ministers who are called teachers and principals. It's not teachers and principals who are called ministers. It's ministers who step into an area filled with the Spirit of God, answering the call of God wherever they are and whatever they're doing to make Jesus known on the earth. It's not just people that get paid to be on staff at a church. That's just one way that it functions. It functions in all of society. That's the way God created this thing. And we talk about kononia. Here's some things we learn about kononia. If you guys need kind of points today. Kononia is partnership. It's partnership. Philippians 1, Paul uses kononia to describe partnership, right? Between himself and the believers in Philippi in the gospel doing it together, each one doing their share and using their gifts to grow the body. Partnership is a part of kononia. Kononia is partnership. Come on, somebody give me a high five emoji. Give me a high five emoji. Dallas is giving me a high five right now. Come on, slap your hands together. Come on, we're in this together. Come on, get some hands shaking emojis in there. Come on, come on, doing it together. Kononia is partnership. Kononia is not being some cave isolated by yourself thinking it's just me and Jesus and everybody else can do their own thing. That's not the body of Christ. That's not the body that Jesus died for. Jesus died for a body that would be together, that would be very, very different, but they would all do their share and they would come together, join together, pointing everything to the head, which is Jesus. Kononia is partnership, but Kononia fellowship is giving. 
Romans 15, konani is used to describe shared giving, like giving to the poor, to the work of the ministry, to support those that are being launched out into the deep to go to places that nobody had ever been to preach the gospel. Like it was giving. The giving of resources is part of kononia, sacrificial giving. So kononia is partnership and it is giving. Come on, give me some emojis with a hand that's reaching out, right? A hand that's reaching out. I'm reaching out. You know, in Acts chapter 3, Peter looks at the lame man. And I will, man, I will talk about this until I am dead. But he reaches out his hand. He is now filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And he looks down at the man. He says, silver and gold, man, I don't have it. But what I do have, I give it to you in the name of Jesus. But bones aren't popping yet. He reaches down his hand. He extends his hand. It was an act of giving to this man. What I do have, I give it to you in the name of Jesus. And that hand touches that other hand. And because Peter reaches out to the guy, then bones start popping. He reaches out. He, he's, it's not about me anymore. It's about this man. It's about his need. It's about what does the Lord want to do in this man's life. So in the name of Jesus, listen, Konania is partnership. Peter and John were in partnership with the gospel in that moment with that man to be healed and to hear the good news. And then hundreds end up hearing the good news. They get thrown in jail for a man getting healed. Partnership is not always easy. Konani is giving. You know, when we give resources, just like we're talking about with Moldova and Ukraine, sometimes we can look at it and go, man, I just don't have this, and I don't have this, and I don't have enough, and I don't have this, and I don't have this. When instead, if we would look at it as, man, this isn't mine anyway. This is the Lord's. These aren't my gifts. These are the Lord's gifts. He's just simply giving me uh, these gifts to be a good steward of those gifts. I'm not going to hide mine in the dirt in fear and waiting for him to come back. No, 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 I'm going to multiply this thing. I don't want one seed or one gift stuck in the dirt not being used. I want to take the seeds that I got and I want to use them because when I do, it's going to multiply. And then that means I'm going to have an opportunity to have more gifts flow through my life so that those gifts can be used to lead people to Jesus. Man, that's what the early church understood. Listen, we see all of this in Acts 2.42. Much more than just getting together and hanging out. Sometimes we think fellowship is just getting together and hanging out. Listen, they were devoted to partnership. This wasn't just like, hey, let's hang out for a little bit. But man, if it gets a little uncomfortable, I'm out. We create exit strategies for everything. And we've created exit strategies in being the church. So that when it gets a little uncomfortable, we got an exit strategy. I'm out. Listen, there should be no exit strategy on the narrow path that Jesus has set before us. Even at the end of our journey on that narrow path, it's not an exit strategy. It's an entrance into another kingdom, into another level, into an eternal kingdom now. It's not an exit, it's an entrance. Man, if we would get that in our brain and just turn that switch, I think it would change so many things in our lives. We would stop cursing the things that God actually wants to bless. God doesn't hate relationships. He loves relationships. He doesn't hate tension in relationships. He loves it because a lot of times those, that tension brings us to a place of refining that we will understand the value of those relationships. They were devoted to partnership. They were devoted to giving and to serving. I can't believe the word serving has almost become a bad word in quote-unquote church. 
oh, I can't serve. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? Really? What book are you reading? What version of the Bible are you reading? It's definitely not the word of God. Listen, that doesn't mean you got to serve in 14 different areas and exhaust yourself and do everything for, quote unquote, the church. Just be the church. And if you are the church that Jesus is building, you are going to not be forced into serving. You are going to volunteer to serve if you are the church that Jesus is building. There are many areas that I get paid for. There are many areas that I serve. That's not elevating me or anything else. That's just saying I have an understanding in this season of my life exactly the cost that Jesus paid so that I could serve. He paid a cost. He paid a price just so I could serve. Have you ever thought about that? A part of Jesus' death on the cross is that when we go through that cross, we would no longer see ourselves first. It wouldn't just be about us. It would be about him. And it would be about being used of him to make his name known by serving. Not just doing things for people, but doing it in Jesus' name. There's a big difference. Sharing their lives, the early church, with one another for Jesus in order to make his name known. Listen, in the fellowship of the early church, man, there was a lot of stuff going on. In verse 43 of Acts 2, fear came upon every soul. Wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. Listen, he's not talking about creating some utopia out in the middle of the woods. Listen, that's been tried. And it it almost always ends up in abject failure or worse, it ends up in tragedy. Because some guru took a bunch of people out in the woods and all of a sudden they have this new revelation. That is not the Lord. That is the devil. That is the devil's disguise for what kingdom is. Listen, the kingdom of God is not about us having peace on earth right now. It's not about earthly peace. It's about peace in our hearts, in our spirit. It's about peace in our mind. It's about the peace that can only come from above. Not a man, not an organization, but only from the Lord. Listen, it says that, They divided them among all as anyone had need. They're not creating a commune here. They're all still living house to house in their own houses. They're working in the marketplace. They're going to the temple daily. They're eating together. Listen, what does it say? Continuing daily, 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 daily. It doesn't say continuing monthly. It says continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Well, Scott, they didn't have as much to do as we have to do now. We got a lot of things to do. No, we got a lot of distractions. They had just as much to do in their own culture as we do today. It just looks a little bit different. They had as much to be a part of in their own culture as we do now. It just looks a little bit different. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple, daily, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. Look at the results of not just teaching, but fellowship, kononia. When they partnered together, when they gave of themselves, when they gave in the name of Jesus, what happened? Miracles, signs, wonders. They ate their uh, food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They met together. They had favor. God was adding to the church daily. Yes, through fellowship. Listen, they were devoted to Jesus and to one another. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you that you too may have fellowship with us. 
Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now listen, at the time John wrote this letter, it had been 50 or so years since he had walked with Jesus, yet he is still enjoying the same fellowship with Him. He's not talking about a moment of fellowship. He's talking about a lifestyle of fellowship. Not just with Jesus, but with others. John was still actively and passionately inviting others into this fellowship. Can I tell you, in fellowship and Konania, there is such a thing as what we call impartation. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26 says this. Whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. Listen, the New Testament church wasn't a gathering where a few people gathered together, a few superstars gathered together, and they sang, and they were the only ones who spoke while everybody else watched them. It was a gathering where everyone would have something to contribute. Listen, we have seen examples all over the world of churches that became a place. Churches that became a place focused on a team, focused on an individual. I know of one right now. Used to be thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. That if you were to go to today, see it wasn't being built by Jesus. And it wasn't built on Jesus. It was built on a man. It was built on a man. A little rock. A small stone. And because of that, just within a few years to this day, you have to walk upstairs to a small little area in the middle of one of the most major metropolitan areas in America to see 60 to 80 believers gathering. That's what's left. Now, is that a horrible thing? Maybe not. Because maybe those 60 or 80 are fully passionately in love with Jesus. They're not there to see a man. They're not there to see musicians. They're not there to hear awesome music or or super nice charismatic teaching that makes them feel awesome. They are there for Jesus and for one another. They're there for the gospel, the whole gospel, the true gospel, the truth, and nothing but the truth. Well, Scott, man, there was thousands. Man, there was impact all over, was there? Because if it all fell, what was the impact? It wasn't being built by Jesus, I can tell you that. How do you know? You don't know that. I do know that because it all fell apart. And what now comes out? Listen, just last week, man, I got a report of somebody that I know of. Man, I've listened to this person. I've, 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 I've read their books. And someone who just got off track. And it wasn't being built by Jesus anymore. They were still putting out their videos and still trying to say, use the right terminology. But basically, they left everything that God had given them and said they were going to take their own path, quote unquote. And now just hearing that they took their own life. Listen, when you take your own path off of the narrow path, that path leads to destruction. That's the Bible. And the early church understood the importance of this. They understood the importance they, they, were not, they were not just a gathering. They were not just coming together to hear one person speak or to hear one person sing. or They weren't there just to watch or just to listen, but they were there to participate. It was a gathering where everyone would have something to contribute. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. His basic premise was not one person can, can reach everybody takes all of us working together. 
in 1 Corinthians 14, 39. He says, my brothers and sisters earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Listen, let's acknowledge one of the greatest challenges in the New Testament paradigm. In a crowd, how would everyone have a chance to share something with all who are gathered? Because the New Testament paradigm isn't Hey, there's one priest. He's the only one who can say it. He's the only one who can know in the Holy of Holies. Hey, this rabbi is the only one who can speak to us. Now the New Testament paradigm is to all who can come. Listen, you may all prophesy one, one by one. So that's a challenge. But practically speaking, there wouldn't be enough space and time, right? But remember this. Gatherings in the New Testament primarily took place house to house. Small groups. A term used in church world the last 25 years, it, it's almost become used in such a way that now people almost misuse it. It's almost become not a term of, 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 of biblical foundation, but now it's almost become just some marketing terminology. When people hear it, they're like, uh. You see how we allow culture to influence us and get us to actually start cursing the things that God wants to bless? It's ridiculous, y'all. It's just ridiculous. I hate it. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. It's demonic and it's evil. We need to stop. All right, let me smile now. But we need to stop, y'all. We need to stop cursing that which God created to be good and to be used for His glory. You had houses of prayer. Pe- people weren't just meeting house to house and eating, but they were, there were houses of prayer. People were hosting just prayer at their house. Small groups where there was teaching. Or fellowship and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And then there were houses of prayer. 25 years later, here's what Paul says to the elders of the churches of Ephesus after he lays this out. That listen, here's what can happen. Here's what you can do. 25 years later, he says to the elders of the churches of Ephesus, I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Listen, there are benefits to both large and small gatherings. Don't curse either one. Don't think that either one is the only one. We need both. In order for the church, quote unquote, to participate in fellowship, described in the New Testament, there must be a doing of life together. Not just gathering, but there has to be discipleship. People must be taught about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Jesus gifts from Ephesians 4. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. Paul knew if people were not taught about the gifts and the functions, believers would not know how to share and receive spiritual things. The gifts were given to equip us, but also to help one another grow and mature and become more like Christ. And so there was this amazing invitation. And here was the invitation of the early church. Listen, the invitation to you is to be a passionate Holy Spirit inspired Jesus people in fellowship with him and one another, strengthening and building one another up in the faith. That was the invitation. And it's the same invitation that's given to each one of us. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take time to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal or give us something to encourage or build someone up right now in this moment. And for you guys, that may be text, call, email whatever it may be, right now or this week at work, school, dinner, lunch with somebody, small group, prayer meeting at your house. Listen, maybe the Lord is calling you to open your home as a house of prayer. Maybe the Lord is is calling you to host a small group. 
well, Scott, I, I, you know, I'm not in, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in Shreveport, Bossier area. I'm not even in your state. Well, would you be willing to have a house of prayer on Zoom once a month with other people in the online community? Would you be willing to host a house of prayer once a month as a part of the online community? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to host a small group once a month for the online community? Would you be willing to do that? Or would you be willing to, just for your neighborhood, have a house of prayer one night a month? A small group one night a month. So I'm not telling you to create your own quote-unquote church. Again, we're being the church. I'm not telling you to all of a sudden start a meeting in your church, hopefully so that we can build a ministry for ourselves. That's not what I'm talking about, and that's not the Bible. Be very careful with that. Because we all need a covering. Jesus is our covering. Yes, the Lord is our covering. But we also need people in our lives, mature, spirit-filled believers in our lives who can help us grow and mature so that we don't get off track, so that we don't start cursing the things that God has given to actually bless. House of prayer, small group. Those the same things, God? No. Maybe the Lord has an encouraging prophetic word for someone in your family or someone right now in this online community. Would you be willing to put that in the chat right now? Maybe the Lord's given you something encouraging and prophetic for people right now. Share that. Scott, I'm watching this after the fact. I'm not really watching it in real time. That's okay. Put in the chat. We look at those things. We don't just pass by those things. We look at those things and everybody who is a part of that chat can see it. Maybe it's a prophetic word that's not right for this exact moment, but maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, somebody will see it and it's a word for them. It's an encouraging word for them. I want us to look inside of ourselves right now and be like, man, what is God putting inside of me right now for someone else? The fellowship, the kononia, the, the gathering together, the, the partnership, the giving of myself, the giving of my resources for the body, for Jesus. So what about you? You, not someone else, you. What about you? What is the Lord saying to you? Maybe you've been outside of Konania. Maybe somebody told you you didn't need all that. Maybe somebody told you, hey, you're just going to get hurt. Well, in a sense, they were right. You're going to be hurt in relationships. And actually, let me just pull the curtain back a little bit. A lot of times... I'm not saying a couple or a few. I'm saying a lot of times your hurt in relationships will not be caused by someone else, but will be caused by you yourself. Because you wanted your way. You wanted it to make you feel a certain way. And when it didn't, you got mad. And maybe even the people that you were in relationship with, they didn't even know what was going on. And you formulated it you meditated on it, and you blew it up into something that actually did not even exist. Kononia Fellowship. Yeah, it's risky. But when did following Jesus stop being risky? He said you got to give all of it. That means your parents may not agree. That means your brother, your mother, 
your friends. Listen, when you sell out to Jesus, you're going to find out some things about the people around you. When you totally give it up for Jesus, you're going to find out some things about the people around you. You know, who, who really means it when they say, hey, man, I'll be there no matter what. Hey, man, I'm super tolerant, whatever. Well, really? Or until it becomes a little too uncomfortable for you. Listen, I'm not going to hide my Christianity from anybody. I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm in fellowship and Conania with people. I'm not going to hide the fact that it's uncomfortable at times. I'm not going to hide the fact that, that, that I lead, you know, I, that God's called me to serve, you know, within the context of the body of Christ at a local church level. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not going to try to be cryptic and hide those things. I'm not going to try to, you know, I, listen, here's one thing about it. We're never going to try to sneak something by you here. Hey, everybody, welcome. Uh, I'm not sure we can talk about Jesus. No, no, no. You're going to get Jesus 24-7 all the time. You're going to get Holy Spirit 24-7. You're going to get kingdom of God 24-7. You're going to get for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You're going to get it 24-7. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross for the redemption of mankind. He, he was dead, buried, resurrected, ascended, sent the Holy Spirit to live, and he's coming again. You're going to hear that 24-7. We're not trying to sneak something by you. We're not trying to be cryptic. We're not trying to be clever. Listen, people inside the quote-unquote church world have done that for too long. And because of that, there's false doctrine. Because of that, there's, there's heretical teachings that have been released. Because of that, it creates the, the, the foundation for an apostate church that has nothing to do with Jesus. You won't get that with us. You also won't hear, hey, just receive Christ and everything's going to be great. Hey, man, have a small group, has a, have a house of prayer. It's going to be glorious. You're never going to have anything come up and nothing's ever going to be wrong. You're never going to hear that from us because that's a lie. But with Christ and in Christ, those scenarios that at one time would shake us up and tear down our foundation now become that fire that shores that up and firms that up and gets all the impurities out. So that it, instead of breaking down the relationship, it forges the relationship. And that, my friends, is what Konania fellowship is all about. It's not about it being easier or this or this or this. Listen, life, life is just hard across the board. But I would rather do life with people that are walking through some of the same things that I am. But not just that. But that they're also going towards the same goal that I'm going for. And that's Jesus. That is the hope of eternal life. The same direction I'm going, not pulling against me or trying to pull me back from that. Yeah, we're not perfect. Yeah, we stumble and fall. But man, how awesome is it that when you stumble and fall on the path to Jesus, with Jesus, that you look up and somebody else is right beside you going, come on, come on. Well, don't I have to go all the way back to the beginning? No, no, no. We're going to stand up right where we're at, and we're going to keep moving forward. Amen. All right. So you guys got your action step. Hopefully you remember all that. I'm not going to say it all again. Uh, but just uh, remember, what is the Lord speaking to you? Just what is the Lord speaking to you? What is he revealing to you? And listen, refuse to be isolated.
That's the enemy. He wants to get you alone. He wants to, he's a predator. He is. He's not a father. He's not a loving father. He's not a loving brother. He's a predator. He wants to isolate you and get you away from everyone else so that he can attack you and ultimately destroy you. And I'm thankful that Jesus came to destroy all the works of the devil. And that although there's a a lying walking about seeking whom he may devour, as far as the enemy, there's also a lion of the tribe of Judah that is set to return again and to receive unto himself a body, a bride, that is pure and spotless, without blemish, that has stayed on that path. And that although it was hard, said, no, 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 teaching, kononia, fellowship, man, that's where it's at. So God bless you guys. Love you. Appreciate you. Bye-bye.